Hey, Pastor Josh here. Thanks so much for watching our videos. If you'd like more information about Legacy City Church, you can go to LegacyCityChurch.com. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the bell below. God bless you. It's good to be with you guys today. Um, as True mentioned, I'm friends with Josh, although I am not a pastor. Uh, I'm on staff at Harvest. Uh, I'm a deacon there, and I've been serving there since 2006, uh, attending there in church, and uh, been good friends with Josh, and you may be wondering why he allowed me to preach today, and the real reason is because I bribed him. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, he, uh, he called and he asked if, uh, if I would be able to fill in for him, and um, I never feel that I'm qualified. I'm, I'm probably not the right guy, but I trust that the Lord is, is working through Josh, and if, if Josh felt led to, to give me an opportunity to, to preach to you guys today, uh, who am I to deny that opportunity? And I'm I'm just hoping that the Lord would speak to you guys. So that was a good word, true, um, to, to really expect to hear from the Lord. Like, I'm, I'm just a guy just like you. Um, I'm, I'm made of flesh and blood just like you. Uh, but God is, is great, and he is capable of doing great things through people who are, are willing to be used of him. So uh, that's what I pray I can do today is just to be used of him. Um, so today I titled uh, today's message, who are you following? And that's going to be in John 21. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Uh, I wanted to share with you a, a story that I heard. Uh, there was a, a flight that took off from an airport, and there was, it's a small plane, a little three-seater jet, and uh, just the pilot and these three passengers on board. And there's uh, the pilot, uh, a pastor, a Boy Scout, and this computer genius software developer. And they're flying through the air, and all of a sudden, the, the pilot comes on, and he says, you know what, we have, uh, we have some, some issues. They're, the plane's going down, and there's only three parachutes on board, and, and I'm the pilot, so I'm taking one. So that leaves two for the rest of you guys to figure it out. So the pilot jumps out the airplane with his parachute, and immediately, the computer genius, he pops up, he grabs a bag, and he jumps out the plane. The world needs my brains. Ah, and he flies out. So the pastor's sitting there looking at the little Boy Scout, and he's saying, well, I've lived a good life, son. There's one left. You take this, this parachute, and, and you live a good life. Come to know the Lord at a young age and, and walk with him all the days of your life. And the little boy looks up at the pastor and says, Pastor, it's okay. We can both have one. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, there's only one parachute left. And the little Boy Scout says, no, that genius just jumped out of the airplane with my backpack. Sometimes people can be too wise in their own eyes and uh, can, can lean on their own understanding. So we look to God's word really to, to find understanding and to make sure that, that we are, are not making these foolish mistakes. So today as we look at John chapter 21, as I was preparing for this, I just was praying, Lord, lead me to a passage that, that I have strong conviction. And, and this passage is something that the Lord has ministered to me over and over again uh, in John chapter 21, it's the, the last chapter in the book of John, and we see Christ uh, for the third time. And, and he gives a command to his disciple Peter to, to follow him. And that's mainly why I labeled this message, uh, Who Are You Following? Because Christ gives the call to all of us to follow him. But before we, we dive into this, uh, would you guys please join me in a word of prayer? Lord, we thank you. For the opportunity to gather here uh, there's there's many in the world who aren't able to gather who aren't able to have church and to have fellowship 
Um, but we are here today and we're grateful for that. We don't take it for granted. And God, I ask that you would uh, speak through me to your people, that you would minister to them, uh, that your word would be uh, real to them, that conviction would happen, that change would happen, that we would be a people that seek to glorify you with our lives. I thank you for this opportunity to minister to your people, and I pray that, again, you would be glorified through this, this time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When I started thinking about following, um, the first thing that came to my mind was, you know, social media and, and social media followers and influencers. And I'm not a big social media guy at all. Uh, you can ask all my friends. I'm like the worst at social. I'm the worst at like text messaging too. I, I never, I'm, I'm just bad at it. But I started thinking like, who are the most followed people on, on social media? And I looked up an article. It's probably changed since this article was written. But the top 10 people that are followed today on all social media platforms, uh, the number 10 spot is held by Kim Kardashian with 319 million followers across her platforms, followed by Rihanna at nine, 332, Kylie Jenner, 333 million, Katy Perry, 338, Dwayne The Rock Johnson with 342, uh, Taylor Swift, 361 million, Selena Gomez at 425 million, Ariana Grande, 429 million, Justin Bieber, number two, 455 million, and the number one, which is kind of strange to me, is a soccer player, Cristiano Ronaldo, 517 million followers. I'm like, man, that's a lot of people following these people. And it made me think, like, it's, it's very easy uh, to click a button and to, to like or to follow uh, these, these celebrities. And it's something that, you know, it's just, it's in our culture. As much as I'm not a social media person and I dislike social media, it's, it's just a part of what we do. Uh, you, you can be standing in line at the airport or at the grocery store and people are just scrolling, 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 rolling through social media. It's, it's, it's a part of, of what we do in our society. There's no shortage of people to follow. But the one that we should really be following is Christ. And we see that clearly through the scriptures. And as we look at John 21 today, we will see that call to discipleship. Jesus calls his people to follow him. In the beginning of John 21, uh, this is a passage where Jesus shows himself, as I mentioned, the third time to the disciples. After the, the death, the crucifixion, the resurrection, Jesus appears to the disciples. In chapter 20, he appears to doubting Thomas. And then here in 21, he shows himself again. Uh, Peter's He's, he's tired of waiting around, and he says, I'm going to go fishing. And the boys jump up, and they, they go with them. They go out fishing, and they're fishing all night. They get skunked. They don't catch anything. And then in the morning, they see someone on the shore, and they say, he says to them, like, have you guys caught anything? They're like, no, we got skunked. And uh, he says, well, why don't you cast the net on the other side of the boat? And I don't know, if, is there any fishermen in here? Anyone like to fish? Okay, I like to fish. And if you've ever gotten skunked, it's... You've probably tried everything. If you're trying to fish and you can't catch anything, you're trying all kinds of different maneuvers. You're changing your leader size, changing your different baits. So I would imagine these disciples out on the boat, it's not like they've been sitting there not doing anything. So they hear the instruction to, to try something else. And they're like, okay, we've already tried that. But they throw the net off and they catch a ton of fish. They catch a whole bunch of fish. And the apostle John he recognized, oh, this has got to be Jesus. The last time this happened, it was Jesus. This has to be Jesus. So Peter, he puts on his, 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 his coat, and he jumps in the water and swims to shore. 
and they have breakfast with Jesus there on the shore. And then we get to verse 17 and 19, or 17 to 19 is where we're going to start our text. But prior to this, this is one of the portions of scripture where people recognize as the restoration of Peter. Uh, Peter is restored to the Lord. You remember in the, uh, the, the high priest court, he denies the Lord three times and he walks out sorrowful. Well, this sh shows the, the time where the Lord restores Peter. And some of your, your Bibles will even have that in the heading as Jesus restores Peter. He, he asked him three times if he loves him. And in verse 17 is the third time he asked him. And so we'll read there in verse 17. He says, and Jesus says to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he asked him a third time, do you love me? So he responded and said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and you walked where you wanted to. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by which death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. And we'll stop there. The third time Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? And he responds, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus says to him, feed my sheep. And then he gives them a little bit of insight into the future. He says, uh, when you were younger, you, you girded yourself, you did what you wanted to do. But when you're older, you, someone else is going to gird you. And they're going to take you where you do not wish. And then John gives us a little bit of insight into what that means in verse 19. He says, he spoke this, Jesus spoke this to Peter, signifying by which death he would glorify the Lord. But first, I just want to address the fact that Jesus restored Peter. And I think it's important for us to remember that, that we are not perfect. I love looking at Peter in, in this chapter and, and even through scripture. You see Peter do a lot of really great things, but then sometimes in some not so great things. And I feel like it's, it's easy for me to identify with a guy like Peter, where you're able to see yourself and have great spiritual highs, and then all of a sudden, ah, maybe not so great moments. And it's, it's cool, cool that we can see real people like this in scripture. And there's a time where, where Peter shows great faith, where he sees Jesus out on the sea and he asks the Lord to call to him so he can walk on the water. And he, he actually walks on water, which is really cool. But then all of a sudden, at the same moment, he gets distracted by the wind and the waves and he begins to sink and he cries out to the Lord and the Lord saves him. So you see him ex, ex, uh, show great faith there's also times where he shows that he's just so zealous for the Lord. He's overconfident at times. He even says in the, the upper room that if, if all were to deny you, I would never deny you. Only to a few chapters or a few verses later to deny the Lord exactly as he predicted. Peter was someone who was something that we can identify with. He has great, great successes, but then also some failures. He struggled with pride and humility at times, but then at also times was very humble and approached the Lord with that humility. I know that I can identify with Peter, and I hope that you guys can see in your lives where you have seen great successes and great failures and know that the Lord is not done with you yet. Whether you find yourselves on the mountaintop today or in a valley, that God restores 
He restores us. It's the message of the gospel. We should keep that in, our, in the forefronts of our mind all the time. It wasn't at that one time when you prayed that prayer that the gospel was effective for you. It's effective for you today. Whether you fall last night, the week before that, God restores. He wants you to be in right relationship with him. He paid the ultimate penalty so that you can have right relationship with him. God restores. That's the, the, really the first thing that I, I want to drive home today is that the Lord restores and he's in the ministry of restoring people to himself. We want to make sure that, that we're always aware of this because we can easily be attacked by the enemy. Whenever something trips us up, the enemy's right there to, to show up and like, ah, see, I knew you weren't a Christian. If you were a Christian, you wouldn't have done that. You wouldn't have, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have missed church that Sunday. You wouldn't have said that one thing to your family member. I knew you weren't a Christian. But the Bible is clear. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And Jesus restores. How does he restore? You can ask yourself a simple question like Jesus asked Peter, Simon, do you love me? If the answer is yes, listen to the command of the Lord. What has he called you to do? He says, Peter, follow me. That's what we're called to do. Simply follow Jesus. Who are you following? Follow Jesus. Peter was not perfect, and neither are we. There's going to be times where we slip up, where we make a mistake. Proverbs 24, 16 says, the godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. Psalm 37, 24, though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. One of my favorite promises in scripture, Philippians 1, 6, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. God is not done with you. If you've made a mistake, if you've fallen short, if you've acted like Peter, God restores. He loves you and he wants to be in right relationship with you. So answer that question. Do you love him? Yes. Then obey him. Obey his commands. Do what he has called you to do. It's important for us as individuals to see and believe but not just for ourselves, but for, for those around us as well, that God is in the ministry of restoring others as well. You know, it's, it's been my experience as I've walked in this Christian life uh, that at times, uh, even when we find ourselves doing well, we can look around and see other people who are, who are stumbling. It's important for us to remember that God's in the ministry of not just restoring us, but he wants to restore others as well. And to not condemn our brothers and sisters, but to try to build them up to see them be restored to right relationship. We shouldn't celebrate the failures of others. We should, we should look to opportunities where we can minister and we can restore those people to right relationship with the Lord. It's, it's important. Jesus restores, and if we are going to follow him, we should be trying to restore those around us as well in love. It doesn't mean that we overlook sin. It doesn't mean that we uh, just allow people to one wild. We call out sin when we see sin, but ultimately the heart should be that we would love our brothers and sisters and that we would want to see them restored to right relationship with the Lord. I think the church needs more of this. And this is what Jesus did. Again, he restored Peter to right relationship. And he asked him, he gave him the command, feed my sheep. And I always challenge people that I get the chance to, to minister to and talk to, what has God commanded you to do? We know there's a lot of very simple things in scripture that God has called us to. But what has God commanded you to specifically? Understand that you have a, a personal relationship with God. 
individually. Peter did, or God didn't give Peter the same direction that he gave John. I mean, generally speaking, yes, we're to seek out holiness. We're to preach the gospel, preach the kingdom of God. But he gave him a specific command to feed the sheep. What has God commanded you to do? I guess the simple answer is to obey his word. And as I said before, it's important for you to, to know his word. The last time I got an opportunity to minister here at Legacy, I, I tried to stress the importance of, of knowing God's word and, and knowing it for yourself. It's one thing to hear a sermon on a Sunday or listen to a podcast. It's another thing to hear from God directly for yourself. It's, it's so valuable. Nothing replaces that. So I really challenge you to spend time in God's word and ask him, Lord, what do you have for me? What do you require of me? What commands are you laying before me that I need to be obedient in and allow the Lord to speak to you? It's important for us as individuals to respond to what God has called us to do as individuals and to, to obey. Knowing that we're going to fall short, we will fall short, we will trip up. But God restores. Even in those moments when we fall short, God restores, just as he restored Peter. It's a great picture of the restoration of Jesus and his people. And, and I, I want to drive home that point that wherever you're at, God can restore. And he can restore that brother or sister that's far away, that child who's walked away. God can restore. So let's get back into the text. Uh, we've, we've talked about verse, or through verse 17 through 19. Um, one thing that I wanted to point out is, you know, that, that whole idea of Peter being told which, which way he would die, that he would glorify the Lord in his, his death. Church history uh, shows that, that Peter was actually crucified. I'm not sure if you're aware of this. I'm I, not like the great historian, great theologian, but as I was researching and looking at this, Peter was crucified, but he was crucified upside down by request because he didn't see himself fit to die the same way that our Lord died. He died crucified upside down. And in this section of, of scripture, it shows that, that Jesus told him basically that he was going to die this death. He was going to die in a, in a specific way, a way that he didn't desire to, to die. He wasn't going to lay in his bed and, and fall quietly to sleep. He was going to be led somewhere where he didn't want to go. And then still after that, Jesus gave him the call to follow me. To follow him, even knowing that he was going to suffer. And it brings home the, the idea to me of, of discipleship. It's important for us to realize that there's a cost to discipleship. Uh, following Jesus is more than just tapping the button, tapping the like. It's following him. Jesus restored Peter, but also gave him good and bad news in verses 18 and 19, that he was going to restore him, but at the same time, he was going to die. But nevertheless, his, the command remained the same, to follow Jesus. I'm not a a Greek scholar by any means, and I, I did look up this word in verse uh, 19 where it says, follow me, that word follow in the, the original language, the, the Greek there is akulotheo, and I'm probably saying that wrong, but it means to, to be in the same way with or to accompany. Another way to look at it is walking the same road or to join one as a disciple. So this is, this is completely different than the, the following on social media. Following social media doesn't take much. It doesn't require much. But to follow Akalatheo, to, to follow Jesus, it requires, it requires everything. 
Jesus many times uses this, this passage in scripture, that, that word follow, when he's calling his disciples to follow him, to leave everything. He even at one point says, if you're not willing to hate your mother and father and brother and sisters, you're not worthy to be my disciple. He's not saying that we have to hate people, but he's saying that you should count all those things as secondary, that you're willing to part with all of those earthly relationships in order to follow Jesus. It's a, it's a sacrificial following. Many people use that word today. You know, I hear my friends like, oh yeah, I follow such and such, or, or you know, I follow this, this Instagram post, or I follow this guy on TikTok. And I, I get it, I understand what they mean. It's just simply they're, they're, they're tracing after them. Um, they might check in from time to time and see what they're posting, or they find it entertaining, which is, you know, it's, it's cool. It's part of what we do, it's our culture. But that's not the kind of followership that Jesus is expecting of his disciples. He doesn't want you just to, to check in from time to time or, or to scroll through his feed. He wants to be in your life every day of every moment. The Bible says that he's given us his Holy Spirit to dwell inside of us. You know, that, that, that idea in and of itself is always throw me for a loop. I'm like, man, Jesus, when he ascends into heaven, he says, I must go. It's, it's better that I go and I ascend. I go away so that the helper can come. And you would think like being in the presence of Jesus would be like the, the ideal scenario, that Jesus would be right here in front of us. But no, he says, it's better that I go so that the church can have this, the Holy Spirit, that you can have God's Spirit dwelling inside of you, leading you and teaching you and guiding you into all truth so that we can have the ability to follow him, that we can have the ability to resist sin. It's important for us to follow Jesus and recognize that he doesn't ask us to follow him without equipping us to follow him. You know, there's a story in Matthew 19 where uh, it's the story of, of the rich young ruler where he comes and he says, Lord, what, what, may I have, what may I do to have eternal life? And Jesus, he tells him to, to follow the commandments. And the guy's like, well, you know, I've done that. I've done that for my whole life. And I almost want to see like the disciples rolling their eyes like, yeah, sure, you, you followed all the Ten Commandments. <laughs> uh, but Jesus says, okay, well, then, then go and sell all that you have and, and give it all to the poor and then come follow me. That same word, the akalotheo. But the man, it says that the man walks away sad because he had great possessions. He wasn't willing to, to give away these things, to sacrifice these things, to follow Jesus. And then maybe there's things in our own lives where we're, we're holding on to things that we know we shouldn't have or things that we know we shouldn't be pursuing. Let those things go. Akalotheo, follow Jesus, walk with him. Be in the same way with him. Join him as a disciple. Agree with what he says about those things in your life. There's a cost to following Christ. You know, there's many people who, who want to claim to be a Christian, who say they're, they're a follower of Jesus. They're a, a social media follower of Jesus, not a, a, a biblical akalotheo follower of Jesus. Jesus calls his disciples to follow him regardless of the situation, regardless of the outcome, that we would follow Jesus. I think there are many who, if they were in Peter's shoes and, and they hear that, like, okay, Peter's gonna, I, Jesus just told me I'm gonna die in a specific way, a certain way, and then he told me to follow him. If they were in Peter's shoes, or, well, I guess they didn't wear shoes back then, if they were in Peter's chanclas, they would probably say, like, uh, like how bad is this death going to be? I mean, like, can you, can you like draw out the blueprint? Like, show me what's the beginning, the middle, and the end of this life going to look like? And then, I, and then I'll follow you. 
I think there's sometimes people like that today, like, Lord, if you would just reveal to me how the rest of this life, this Christian life will look like, ah, you know, I'll follow you. But that's, that's not followership. That's not following Jesus. Despite what's going on, despite what's going to happen in the beginning, the middle, or the end, we need to follow Jesus. Look to him. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the prize that we obtain. Everything else is just a bonus. And when you follow Jesus, everything else is just icing on the cake. You know, I, I see sometimes where there's presentations uh, where people are, are appealing to those to, to come to Christ. And it's like, well, well come to Christ and, and he'll fix up your marriage and, and he'll, he'll make you happy and, and all your dreams will come true if you follow Jesus. And, and in some ways, I want to believe what, what they're saying is, is that they, they believe that Christ can help in these areas, which is true. But we don't have to, to sell Jesus to people. Jesus needs to be enough. The reality is that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That that sin, even if it was just one sin, that that's a, on your account. And a perfect and righteous God is separated from all sin. He has to. In his justice, in order for him to remain God, he can't be affiliated with that sin. So that creates a problem because we're all in that category. But God loved us so much, his creation so much that, that he sent his son to stand in our place, to be born of a virgin, to live a perfect sinless life, to die the death that we should die, to bear the entire wrath of God on himself on that cross, so that whoever would believe in him would not be separated from God for eternity. That's the message of the gospel, that not only did he die on that cross, but he rose again three days later, proving that he would raise you as well, that everything he said was true, that you can be restored to right relationship with God through faith in Jesus. And then when you believe that message and you follow after Christ and you start to obey him in your life and you start to read the scripture and, and be convicted and change your life, maybe your, your marriage does get better because now you're serving your spouse. Maybe you are happier because you see that, that God provides for the birds of the air. How will he not provide for you? That he cares for you. He loves you. And then you are able to, to get those things that you desire in life because the things that you desire are what God desires for you. You've been changed. You've been transformed by the gospel. You've been restored to right relationship with God. And I believe that's what he desires for Peter in this passage. He wants him to follow him. And we see, you know, later on in the book of Acts that, that Peter still makes mistakes. You know, he still falls short. Uh, Paul says that he opposed him to his face because he was guilty of perverting the gospel. You know, we're not perfect people, but we're seeking to follow a perfect God and make improvements in our life that we would be able to honor and glorify God. It's remembering the gospel every single day of our life that allows us to be restored and renewed day after day after day. I want to encourage you guys that, that the gospel needs to be relevant to you every single day and that aids in the restoration in your mind and in your hearts as you continue to seek after the Lord. Akalatheo, follow Jesus in all things. Follow him as a true disciple, regardless of, of what may or may not work out in your life, regardless of what's happening in the current events in the world. Follow Jesus. It's the best thing for you. He created life. And what better way to live life 
than through the directions of the one who created it. Akalatheo, follow the Lord. So Jesus gives Peter this, this command in the end of verse 19 to follow him. And how does Peter respond? Well, let's read verses 22, 20 to 22. In verse 20, he says, Then Peter, turning around, I underline that, Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Verse 21, Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, But Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If I will that he should remain until I come, what's that to you? You follow me. And we'll stop there. I love this passage. I feel like this, the Lord has ministered this to me time and time again. Uh, how did Peter respond to that command to follow Jesus? Jesus says, follow me. The first thing Peter does is turn around. It says in verse 20 that Peter, turning around, saw the disciple. He doesn't just follow right after Jesus. He turns around. He gets distracted. Almost like him walking on the water again. He gets distracted by the wind and the waves. And at times we can get distracted. We hear the command of God. We know that we're right with God. We know that we've been restored. We know that we're supposed to obey. We know what he's commanded of us. But then we turn around. We get distracted. Life starts to catch up with us. We get busy with work or with the kids or, or whatever you're doing. It's important for us to keep our eyes on Jesus and remember what his command was, what he has called us to. He's called us to holiness. He's called us to sanctification. Maybe he's given you a specific ministry that you're to focus on, to, to minister to your family, to minister to your spouse or to your children, to minister on the mission field. Maybe he's called you to be a missionary. Whatever it is, this is the Christian life that he has called us to. Don't get distracted. Don't get turned around. Whatever it is that you are capable of doing what he's called you to do, do it for God's glory. 1 Corinthians 10.31, many of you know it, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. So whatever it is that, that God has commanded you to do, as you study his word, as you feel led by him, obey his commands, don't get distracted, don't be turning around. Stay focused on what God has called you to do and follow him, akalatheo, follow him. You know, I can't help but when I'm reading this passage in verse 20, uh, oftentimes throughout the, the Gospel of John, John refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And here he, he gives a little bit of extra information. You know, it's the disciple who Jesus loved, but the guy that was in the upper room laying on Jesus' breast, you know, remember when he, he asked, you know, Lord, who's going to betray you? It's funny how he, he always makes little references to himself, like when uh, Jesus rose from the grave and Peter and John ran to the grave and he records in his gospel, like, yeah, Peter and John ran to the grave, but there was a disciple who outran Peter. Yeah, that, that was me. That was me. I can see myself doing something like that. But it's, it's interesting that he, he points out this fact. And, and Peter, in verse 21, it says that Peter, he saw John. And I feel like uh, this still happens. This has happened in my life where I hear the command of God, and, and I know I'm supposed to be obedient to God, and, but I get distracted. I turn around, and I, I look at the next guy. I'm looking at the pastor or the preacher, or I'm looking at that missionary. I'm like, man, they're, they're doing it. They're killing it. I, I've, I've sat in that seat and I've thought those thoughts. 
But the reality is that, that God has restored each of us to an individual ministry. He knows you uniquely. He knows you as an individual person and has called you to something specific. So take your eyes off of the next person and focus on what God has called you to do. We can't worry about what God has planned for everyone else. We need to focus on what God has called us to do. Don't be looking at, at the next person. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about this. It paints the picture of, of the body of Christ. There's, there's many members, and each of them have a, a unique function and, and, a, and a purpose, and they're needed. We can't all be the same thing. Someone may be, you know, the, the hand. The hand cannot say to the foot. Somebody's, you know, the big toe in here. You, you don't want to be the big toe, but you are the big toe. That's just the way it is. That's the way the body of Christ is. There's different functions. There's different members in the body, and, and we all are necessary in order for us to function well. And so it's important for us to not take our eyes off of Christ, uh, to, to not get distracted. Like Peter here, he turned around and he, he looks at, at John, and he begins to ask a question. In verse 22, he says, uh, well, but Lord, what, what about this man? What about this guy? What about his ministry? Why can't I get that ministry? What, what's going to happen to him? What's the end result of his life? Again, don't, don't worry about everyone else. Just, just focus on what God has called you to do and be faithful to what God has called you to do because that's how we'll be most effective. And I, I love how, how Jesus responds. He says in verse 22, if I will that he should remain, what is that to you? You follow me. And I felt like when I read this one, man, the Lord was just convicting me, convicting me. It's like, stop looking around at everyone else and what they're doing. Don't worry about my plan for their lives. Worry about what I've commanded you to do. You follow me. What does it matter if they have great success or even great failure? Don't worry about that. What is that to you? You follow me. And I feel like that's a message for us today is that we can't be concerned about what everyone else is doing. And in today's world with, with social media and we're so interconnected, all you have to do is just scroll the feed and you can see what everyone's doing. They put their, all their business out there, which I think is weird, but some people do it. Like you can, you can see they're going on the mission trip or they went on vacation or they did this or they did that. And it's like, stop worrying about what they did. What is it to you? You follow Jesus. And I feel like that's, that's what we need to be focused on. And it's easy to get caught up and start looking at, at everyone else and what God has called them to. You know, when, when I was in high school, I played basketball. And my freshman year, I remember coming into the gym and, and freshmen were like, you know, obviously they're the lowest ones on the totem pole. They called us scrubs and we had to like sweep the floor and make sure we put all the balls back in the, the gym at the end of the night. And we, like, our jerseys were the worst practice jerseys. Actually, our freshman team, our, our practice jerseys were our game jerseys. It was, it was, yeah, it was terrible. So we would show up to games. I even had one kid ask me, he's like, aren't you guys going to change? Like, don't you have game jerseys? It, being a freshman, it stunk. But then you look at the varsity team, and they got the fresh jerseys. Their names are on the back. They got the warm-ups. And it's like, man, I can't wait till I get on varsity. But I feel like sometimes in the church, we could be like that, too. It's like, man, I just come into church on Sunday. I'm, I'm on the freshman squad. I'm, one day I'll get on JV, and then maybe one day I'll, I'll be on varsity. I'll, I'll get on varsity, and I'll, I'll get up behind the pulpit. I'll get to do these things. That's, that's, that's wrong. We can't look at it like that. We're, there's not different levels. Like Christ 
died on the cross for each one of you. And we, we all are on varsity in that sense. Yeah, there may be different functions. There may be pastors and preachers and evangelists, but we're all called to ministry. You are on varsity. You're called to do what God has called you to do in the area that he's placed you. Whether you're a doctor, you're a teacher, you're a, a, a mom, a, a dad, be on varsity in that area and serve the Lord. Don't be concerned about what God has called the next person to do. What is that to you? You follow him in that area that he's placed you at. We can't view this life as levels and, and status. And that's, that's, that's the world. That's not the kingdom of God. He who desires to be great in the kingdom of God needs to be least. Follow after Jesus. Jesus had every opportunity to be the, the top dog, but he continued to serve his people. He continued to minister to his people. He washed feet. If we're to be following after Jesus, we need to be like that in every area of our lives, seeking to serve, to love, to minister, to glorify God. We can't look at everyone else. I feel like this happens to me from time to time, and, and I'm honest with you guys, where, where I'm, I'm looking at other people, sometimes from a point of like covetousness, oh man, I wish I could do that, that would be, that would great to be a missionary in a third world country and, and preach the gospel and, and or do that thing for the Lord. That's awesome. But sometimes it's, it's from a perspective of like, man, look at that guy, man. He, I can't believe he, he posted that thing. Like, oh man, like he did, he, he's, he's involved with that. Why, why does he keep following that same area? Oh, I can't believe it. That's, that's not the heart of Christ. We, what is it to you if that person is struggling? God has his own plan working out for them in his perfect timing. What is it to you? You follow him. Maybe come alongside those people and encourage them. I feel like the Lord's spoken, to that, spoken that to me many times. Rather than be looking down on them, try to build them up. Use the giftings and the, and the opportunity, the influence that you have to build up the body of Christ rather than tear it down, to restore we cannot keep our eyes on, on other people. It's impossible to compare ourselves to everyone else. And I don't think that we should be. You know, it's, it's hard to, to measure yourself against what the next person is doing because we're so individual, we're so unique that, that whatever way you grew up, whatever experiences you've had in life, that's, that's completely different from, from my experience or the way that I grew up. So to try to, for me to try to compare myself with the next person, it's, it's never going to match up. It's apples and oranges. But what you can do is, is measure yourself against yourself. Like, how well are you doing at being you who God has called you to be? Those things that God has revealed to you in your own life that you need to change or to, to grow in, how well are you accomplishing that task? Are you, are you better than you were yesterday? Are, are you walking more faithfully than you were yesterday? That's, that's the measure that we should use. Ultimately, looking unto Christ as the, the, perfect, the, the perfect example, but we should be seeking to be better than we were yesterday. Imagine what, what church would be like. Imagine what your workplace would be like if you were just better every single day. Imagine if you were able to, to be bolder every single day preaching the gospel. And I'm not talking about radical changes overnight where you just come in with the, the Bible and you're just preaching to your boss and you're just like, hey, repent. No, just, just little changes. How about just showing up to work on time? Being nice. Just, just honoring the Lord in the very little things and being more and more faithful. Being a better version of, of yourself for God's glory.
tomorrow than you were today. Stop looking around at everyone else, not, not looking at the next person and measuring yourself, well, well, you know, so-and-so did that, so I guess I gotta do that. Don't worry about so-and-so. What is that to you? You follow Jesus, akalatheo, follow him. It's important for us to remember that the Bible teaches us that we can go from glory to greater glory. I believe this is what it teaches in 2 Corinthians 3.18. It talks about that we are going from glory. We're being transformed into the image of Christ, being moving from glory to greater glory by God's spirit. We can, we can be better. Yeah, we fall short. We make mistakes. But no, remember that the Lord restores and he commands you to be obedient to what he's called you to do. To not look around at everyone else, but to look at what he's called you to do and be better today than you were yesterday. Moving from glory to greater glory, moving forward in your walk. Philippians 3, 13 and 14, um, the Apostle Paul says, Brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind and I reach forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You can't do anything about what happened yesterday. You can't do anything about the mistake that happened last month or last week. Forget those things which are behind and move forward in your relationship with the Lord. Move forward in your walk, being better, moving from glory to greater glory, seeking to honor the Lord in those ways Allow the Lord to restore you. Remember that we're not perfect. We fall short. And we will continue to fall short this side of heaven. Until we're in our glorified state, we will fall short. But God has called us to follow him despite how the outcomes are, despite how many times you fall short. To follow him, to be obedient to what he's called you to do. Just like Peter, he was given that command, follow me. He turned around, got distracted, but then he got back on track. He was there on the day of Pentecost. Like he, he did great things for the kingdom of God. It's times we do get distracted. It's times we do get turned around. We start looking at people. Get back on track. Do what God has called you to do. Stay in your word. Get God's word into you so that you'll be aware of, of what he's called you to. You'll be aware of, of how he wants to use you. And that we can continue to honor him as we follow him and seek to live a life that would be pleasing to him. Allow the Lord to restore you through the message of the gospel every single day. When you fall short, preach the gospel to yourself. That sin that you committed, God died on the cross for that specific sin. The scripture teaches that, that while we were yet sinners, so in your deepest, darkest sin that, that no one knows about, God knew about it. And he loved you enough to send his son to die on the cross for you, even in that. So preach the gospel to yourself. That, that shortcoming that you had, that failure that you've had, Christ died on the cross for it. He wants to restore you to himself, and he's given you a command to follow him. And whatever shape and, and form that that looks like in your own personal life, regardless of what that looks like to the next person, follow him. He wants to do great things with us and through us, I believe, as we keep our eyes focused on him. Not worried about anyone else, just worried about our relationship with him, seeking to build up the body of Christ, seeking to, to glorify God until he returns again. So that's, that's really what I, I got from this passage, and I wanted to encourage you guys in that, to be restored to God continually, to follow him, and keep your eyes fixed on him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.
Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to, to share with your people. It's a, it's a simple message uh, to follow you, but it's difficult at times. We get distracted. There's many things that, that can get in our way, ourselves being one of them. We can get tripped up or, or distracted. But God, I pray that your spirit would convict us, that it would continue to draw us into a right relationship with you, that we would preach the gospel to ourselves, that we would be restored to you, and that we would seek to obey your commands, to walk with you all the days of our lives, that we would never allow the lies of the enemy to creep in and to condemn us, but that we would remember that you love us, that you paid the ultimate price to have us in relationship with you, and that we would enjoy the relationship that we have, that we wouldn't be looking at everyone else, but that we would just look to you and seek to be obedient in the small things and take advantage of the opportunities that you lay in front of us to minister and to be agents that would bring you glory here on this earth. We love you, Lord. We commit our lives to you, to worship in you. We ask that you would be glorified each and every day. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.